Welcome to Bladder Buzz, the podcast where doctors, researchers, and consumers discuss bladder health and function for those with neurogenic bladder. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Carter Denny and Ms. Chanel Wimbish to discuss dating and relationships for those with mobility impairment. And now, Bladder Buzz. Dr. Carter Denny, and I'm a neurologist with MedStar Health here in Washington, D.C., and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Chanel Limbish to discuss dating after spinal cord injury on today's Bladder Buzz podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chanel. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So I think to start off, it would be helpful for our listeners to hear a bit about your story, who you are, and the circumstances surrounding your spinal cord injury. Sure. So I work here in the DC area as a protocol specialist for HIV clinical trials. I was in that role prior to my injury as well. And back in 2009, I was hit and run over by a car in Norfolk, Virginia, and suffered a spinal cord injury. I did my initial rehab in Norfolk and then all my subsequent outpatient rehab at MedStar National Rehab Hospital. There, I'm also a peer mentor for newly injured people, and I'm also into adaptive sports, particularly swimming. Thanks so much for giving us that background um, about who you are, and uh, that's really so great that you're a peer mentor. That's amazing. So what was that first year like um, after your injury? And when did you start to think about uh, dating again? Yeah, well, I really wasn't interested in dating for about the first year after my spinal cord injury. There was so much going on in my life um, at that time with this life-changing event that had just happened and juggling rehab and just adjusting to um, this new life and figuring out how to return to work. Um, About a year or so after my injury, I started to think about dating again and really wanting to meet someone. At first, I just made an effort to talk to people when I was out in public, either at concerts or out to dinner or at a bookstore. Then I gradually started to put myself more actively out there with online dating. Yeah, I think that uh, many people are um, really focusing on online dating as the primary way to meet people these days. But online dating can take a lot of emotional energy. Uh, What was your experience with it? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of time and emotional energy. Uh, First, I had to decide if I was going to include the fact that I had an SCI in my online dating profile up front, or if it was something that I was going to bring up later, once I got to know that person. Um, You know, questions like, do you want people to know right away that you use a wheelchair? Or do you want to tell them later after talking to them were all um, at the forefront of my mind. And at first, I didn't include any picture of me in my wheelchair or reference my SCI at all in my profile. And I remember I had one guy tell me, you know, I don't really feel like I'm cut out for all of this whatever that means, Um, after I told him that I had an SCI and use a wheelchair. uh, That really impacted me at the time, and I tried to tell him, look, I'm totally independent. I live by myself. 
I'm not looking for anyone to take care of me. And that exchange, while tough, um, at the end, I was just like, okay, whatever, on to the next person. Yeah, that sounds really frustrating. But it's really great that you had the strength to just keep going with it on to the next person um, and just kept moving. Yeah. And soon after that exchange, though, I decided to change my dating profile to include one or two subtle pictures of me in my wheelchair. And I even mentioned it in my profile information. So what were some of the things that you had to navigate um, when planning a date um, once you were kind of out there and, and meeting people? Sure. So I think the biggest thing was planning ahead for the logistics of meeting up with someone. I had to figure out whether I should educate my date about how to call ahead to the restaurant to ask about accessibility or if I would just, you know, take that on for myself. Um, For instance, I needed to know if there were any steps in the front uh, entrance of the restaurant, if the bathroom was accessible for someone using a wheelchair, and if there was an elevator, if the dining room was on the second floor. Some dates, the guys would be really proactive and want to call ahead and take care of, you know, everything. A lot of times, though, I had to educate them on what to ask. It's a little weird when you think about um, having to enter a restaurant from the back or through an alley instead of using the front entrance. Also, parking was always in question. I would always drive myself to the initial dates. So I wanted to know what the parking situation was in advance. And sometimes I would take the metro if it was close by, but for the most part, I would um, drive myself. Yeah, that's a lot of details to manage. And it really sounds like you did a great job. Was there anything else that came up in terms of the logistics of dating? Yeah, sometimes there would be a ramp that was too steep or not to code. So I would have to figure out whether my date was comfortable helping me up that ramp. Uh, Similar for outdoor concert venues, if there was wet grass or gravel, I'd have to ask them if they felt comfortable helping me across the grass or gravel or if we could find another way to reach where we were going. Uh, For movie dates, some theaters have seats that you can reserve in advance, but only certain rows have accessible seating. I'd talk to my date about whether he wanted to reserve the seats or if I should go ahead and reserve them. And then I would also, you know, remind him to look for an accessible row because it's not always evident which row is accessible. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and probably required a lot of communication, um, you know, back and forth. And um, you know, were there, were there things sort of over time that you learned, um, that made dates easier or just feel more fluid? Yes. So I figured out how my date and I could get closer without being awkward. Um, I can push my wheelchair with one arm and hold hands with the other arm or hand. (laughs) And my date would sometimes put his hand on my shoulder or my back when we were walking, which was nice. Also, if you're able to transfer to the ground or another chair, um, you can sit closer together that way, which is nice. And, you know, if all else fails, all you, the ultimate thing you could do is just grab his hand and see what he does. 
Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, things are different now. Um, and just thinking about the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm just wondering um, for people who are navigating dating now, um, do you have any thoughts or suggestions? Yeah, so Zoom and FaceTime are always nice when first getting to know, you know, someone. Um, but if you do want to plan a date in person, one really nice thing is that there is a lot of outdoor seating at restaurants now and tables are spaced far apart. So it's easier to get in and out from that space. So that really is a silver lining there. That's true. Great point. Yeah, dating for four to five years after my SCI did take a lot of energy, but eventually I met Brennan. So it was all worth it. Uh, my husband, Brennan and I were married last November and he remembers just seeing my face and my profile pictures and didn't even notice my wheelchair. That's really amazing. Congratulations. Your one year anniversary is coming right up. That's really cool. I remember our first date in particular, and, you know, I'm very independent, and I, on most dates, I would make sure that I was showing that to anyone I was dating, but with Brennan, I remember particularly, I was getting in the car, and we were getting ready to leave where we met for our first date, and he was looking at me breaking down my chair and was really asking, you know, can I help you? Do you need any help? Like, are, are you okay? Because it's a little bit of work breaking down my wheelchair to put in my car. But I think at that point, that was the first time where he really realized, yeah, she's really independent. But to this day, he still asks if I need help, which I really appreciate instead of just assuming that I need help. And he does that when we're walking and I'm going up an incline, uh, making sure I'm okay going up a hill. Um, if I'm doing it purposefully to get a workout, then he'll stand back. And if I need help, then he'll jump in to help me up that incline. So those things are something you learn over time, but also mean a lot. Wow, that's really great. Thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. It sounds like the two of you are really just the perfect match. Well, Brennan is kind enough to join us uh, for the last few minutes of our podcast today, which is very exciting. Brennan, anything that you want to add about your experience in meeting Chanel? Yeah, well, aside from the fact that, you know, she's just incredibly beautiful and incredibly determined and she lives an active full life. I often joke that she was more active than I was at the time we met. That she was always swimming or, you know, biking or doing something. But for anybody who may be an able person who could walk thinking someone in a wheelchair, I know what that feels like. I was there. But I also found that doing research and really just getting to know the person, you find that you're dating a person. They just happen to have a different set of circumstances than you do, but it's no different than dating anybody else. So be on the chair if you can, and uh, you may be surprised. It was, and um, I certainly was, still am grateful that you gave me the time of day. That's amazing. Um, I really love your story and can't thank you enough for um, taking the time to share your story with me um, and with our listeners. And thank you again to Chanel for talking with our listeners about dating with a spinal cord injury. I really, really loved having both of you on today. Bladder Buzz is presented by the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Neurogenic Lower Urinary Tract Dysfunction. 
The information presented in this podcast does not express the views of the individual's employer or affiliated institutions. The content is for informational and reference purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, or as the sole source of guidance for decision-making. We advise you to always consult with a physician before making any healthcare decisions or for guidance about a specific medical condition. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. Thank you.